0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. And whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Hwaka, will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge and the judge will hand you over to the guard and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you. You will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Gospel of the Lord. A number of years ago, I was working with a group of high school students who needed to complete their sacramental formation. And as... Part of our catechesis, we were taking some time reading through the Gospel of St. Matthew, and we did get to this passage. And as we were reading through, and the kids were taking turns reading, at one point, one of the girls looked up, she's about 15 or 16 years old, and said, I thought Jesus was supposed to be nice. (laughs) And it was a marvelous, marvelous moment that captures the very essence of what it is that the church is targeting as it puts this combination of readings before us today. Our hearts are odd things in that on the one hand, we profess to want goodness, and yet we cling to so much that isn't good, not for ourselves or for others. And our readings address that today. Note the strength of the statement that Jesus makes, that unless, unless, when we hear that word, we know that there's a consequence. If this doesn't change, something is going to happen. Not something might happen, something will happen. And so the Lord puts on the table that while the kingdom of heaven is Open to everyone, not everyone gets to go in. And that should give all of us pause. Because we live in a world, and all too often, a church that, if we're not careful, can take salvation for granted. As if we're entitled to it. As if God is obliged to give it to us. And yet, note what the Lord says, unless your holiness goes beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not getting in. He doesn't say, then we'll have to talk about an alternative. He simply says, you're not getting in. What a challenging and sobering statement that is. This conditionality. Unless your holiness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And who were those guys? They were the ones who publicly were the role models. They were the ones who seemed to be getting it all right. They're the ones who made it their business to be serious about their religion. And know what the Lord is saying. Unless you do better than those guys, you're not getting in. What on earth could he mean by that? And so let's just pause for a moment at a feeling that many of us know all too well. That sense that even when we're in church, we look around and there's that temptation to feel that everybody else is getting this right, and I'm not. They all look so peaceful. They respond with such confidence. They know the words to the prayers. And I don't. And there's that tendency to say, I don't measure up, and I'm not good enough. And the Lord is saying here, that's the wrong standard. It's not that those are bad things, but it's the wrong measure. The wrong measure is merely external mastery of details. And why? Because there's something in the scribes and the Pharisees, and note the implication the Lord says, They're not getting in either unless they up their game. They're not getting in either if that's where they stay. There's a temptation sometimes to be, instead of truly obedient to the Lord, to be merely compliant. And if we reflect on our own lives, we know what that is. It's that I know what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do exactly that and no more. I do it with no particular love. I do it with no particular enthusiasm. I do it with a certain indifference to the quality of what I'm doing because I just gotta get it done. We learn this sometimes in school where it's just I just gotta get the assignment handed in. We learn this at work. I don't like this aspect of the job, but I've just gotta get it done. And what am I trying to do? Just to get it done so I can move on. We know this around the house. We know this around the house from when we're small. And brothers and sisters get into a fight, and what happens? You apologize to your sister, and what do we do? Sorry. (laughs) On the one hand, on the one hand, I apologize. On the other hand, no, I was merely compliant. That's what I gotta do to avoid getting into trouble, that's it. There's no real sorrow, but I will say the word. And the Lord is saying there's a tendency and a temptation with us to have a sort of false goodness. I'm checking off all the things from the list that I'm supposed to do, but it's really about just getting them done so I can move on. And so Jesus looks at his disciples and says, if that's what you're gonna be about, don't think that's gonna get you anywhere. You might look good in front of some people, But that's all it gets you. That is all that that gets you. Because you're not changing your character. You're not changing yourself. You're actually building a fence around the way you are right now with this mere compliance. If I look like I'm getting it right, no one's going to bother me. And the Lord says, but I've come to bother you. I've come to bother you because I don't want you to look like you're getting it right. I want you to be right. I want you to live right. And when the Lord says that, he's not saying it thinking, and I am so going to enjoy locking you out of the kingdom. What he's saying is, I want you inside. I want you with me. So let me tell you how to do it. Let me tell you how to get there. So he uses this example out of the commandments. You know what, this is common. This is common. There can be that tendency. You know, I've never killed anybody. I've never robbed a bank. You know, we do this. We name all the big wrongs and say I've never done that. As if somehow that's a credit to me, that I've never killed a guy as if somehow that's a sign that I must be okay. I've never robbed a bank, I must be all right. And Jesus is saying, if that's your measure, if that's your measure, you've never killed anybody. Well, I hope you haven't. If you've never knocked off a bat, I hope you haven't. That doesn't make you good, that you avoided those things. You've never killed anybody, but you can't control your temper. What's going on there? You've never killed anybody physically, but you tear somebody's reputation apart with your words. What's going on with that? You've never robbed a bank. Oh, but you've withheld charity from so many. You've robbed others of the compassion that they deserve from you. Oh, but you've never robbed a bank. What is going on there? Know what the Lord is doing as he gives that example. You say I've never killed anybody and you think I've complied with the fifth commandment. Yay me. And the Lord is saying I am not applauding that. Not when there's this violent anger and impatience that can live within you so easily and so constantly. Not when there's this incredible selfishness and self-seeking that operates inside of you and controls your actions. What are we doing about that? So know where he's going. Unless your holiness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, unless you are trying to let the gospel root itself and express itself inside of you where things really matter, where do you think you're going? Because you're going nowhere. And so let's just take the blinders off. This is why in no small measure this text from the Gospel of St. Matthew is twinned with our first reading and our responsorial Psalm today where the Lord now speaks to Israel, who has been saying, you're just not fair. Look at all the good we've done. Why do you punish us? And the Lord says to the people, let's take a second look at this. And let's look at how I really work versus how you work. And the Lord says, suppose there is someone whose life has been surrendered into wickedness, who's been violent, selfish, self-indulgent, petty, resentful. All of those things we say are bad. And suppose that one in his wickedness says, I need to change. And I'm going to try and change. Know what the Lord says. The minute that happens, and that heart begins to turn toward me, however imperfectly, I'm not looking so much on what that heart used to do. I'm looking at where that heart wants to go. And there's a joyfulness in me that this one who had been lost is now coming home. And that's what I see. And then the Lord says, and suppose there's one who's been really good, who's been doing all the things he or she is supposed to do all along, who suddenly throws all of that inside and says, I'm done with this. Or who says, because I've been good for so long, I can give myself permission to stop being good. And what do I see? I'm not looking at all the good that used to be there. I am looking at the selfishness that is there right now. And that's what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing is that that goodness was false because it was so easily cast aside. However real the evil was of the other, likewise the movement toward good can be very, very real. But nobody who's genuinely good just throws that off. And so what you're showing me is what seemed to be good on the outside wasn't really there in the first place. And as I look, and as things come crashing down, what do we see? All it was was compliance. All it was was trying to avoid getting into trouble. All that it was was for show. And it goes nowhere. And you say, I'm unfair. And so the Lord continues, and this is what we see in our psalm. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquity, who could stand? If you keep counting our sins against us, who of us is going to survive that? Now I can safely say it's not going to be me. Who of us is going to survive that? But now, let's think about ourselves. Let's think about ourselves because that's what we do, isn't it? We have that long list of all the wrongs people have done against us, don't we? You know, if you've been alive for more than 10 minutes, you've probably already got a list of things. And that list gets longer over life. We have in our own families histories. Of all the things we hold against each other we mark iniquities we hold things against one another and what do we say it doesn't matter how good she is now because eight years ago she said that to me and it hurt me badly it doesn't matter how good a guy he is now because on the playground when we were ten We do that. We do that. We mark iniquities. And so there isn't forgiveness with us. We mark iniquities. And so there is anger with us. We mark iniquities and then turn to heaven and say, forgive me. And the Lord is saying, that's not how it works. You don't get to hold on to your rage and then say, But forgive me. You have to let that go too. You don't get to say, I was okay once or twice. You've got to let me in. Because the Lord's going to say, I want you to be okay now. And I want you with me forever not for a brief 10 minutes. Know what's at stake. In the readings that we have before us today, difficult as they can be to listen to, difficult as they can be to receive, what you hear within them is how badly the Lord wants us with him, and how badly the Lord wants to wake us up how badly the Lord wants to say to us, stop pretending. You need my mercy. Come and receive it. Open yourself to it and let my mercy begin to change you. Jesus doesn't give us this difficult teaching because he wants to send us away. Jesus gives us these strong words because he wants to puncture our hearts, which are so numb and so thick and so Dense that we need something that stings every now and then to open us up. And into that opening, he wants to pour the fullness of his goodness, the fullness of his grace. Not how powerful that really is. And when we have these difficult passages, especially during the season of Lent, where the Lord says, Wake up, stop pretending, and come to me. Look to me because I don't want to hold things against you. Look to me because with me there is forgiveness. Look to me because I'm the one who can heal you. The implication is, and I want to heal you. And I want to forgive you. And I want you with me and not some other place how absolutely exquisitely wonderful it is that we can engage all of this here today in front of this altar. Because in a few minutes on this altar, that same Jesus Christ is going to be here. Note what that says. Jesus isn't here to say you're not good enough. Jesus is here to say I want you with me. Jesus is here with us not to mark our iniquities but to heal them and to bring us out of them. And that same Lord who gives us this difficult teaching today a few minutes later is going to come down off that altar in my hands. He's going to be here at the front of the church and he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. He's not here because he wants to say, your holiness doesn't measure up. He's not here because he wants to say, I'm done with you. He's here because he wants to say, I am here for you. And so you come forward. You come forward. All you have to do is offer me a heart that's at least partway open. I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest i am here for you what a great gift this really is the fact that the lord calls us forward because he is the one who doesn't mark iniquities he is the one who looks to forgive he is the one who wants us with himself he wants us so badly he gives us this sacrament so that we can always be with him and he can be with us. What a great gift indeed this is. Amen.